There was a surprising amount of prep that went into delivery driving for Amazon. Namely, the drug tests, but I would assume that was because they didn't want anybody coked out of their minds while delivering packages from person to person and house to house. I had to drive down to the outskirts of Salt Lake City to process my urine sample, and I had a nurse come to my house to do a blood test. I hadn't donated or given any kind of blood since college, where I did a checkup all across the board, and I thankfully had an immediate access to some sugary drink, I think it was orange juice, to balance myself out. This time, however, I had nothing like that, except for a glass of grape juice from my housemate. The nurse drove to my house as it was apparently protocol, not entirely sure how credible that is, but it was recommended by Amazon and she showed up with flaming pink hair, a septum piercing, and a very apparent demeanor that she hated everything about her job. She asked me if I had ever donated blood before, and I assured her that I did, so I was in the clear. Then she stuck the needle in me pretty quickly, but my inner child began to pop up in my mind, immediately going, Oh my dear God, there's a needle in my arm. But I held my own until the vial was full, and then the nurse gathered up her things and prepped herself for the trip to the next house, but not before she paused and said, Uh, are you okay? It was at this point that my body temperature began to lose control, going from very hot to very cold, and my hearing started to go out. That is, it felt like I was underwater. I got up, I checked on how I was feeling, and I said, you know what, I, I, I don't think so. Then she helped me lay down against the couch, and I gulped down the rest of my housemate's grape juice. The only thing I felt that made that whole situation worse was the fact that my blood type is O negative. And of course, if I went to a lousy clinic, I was never going to hear the end of that universal donor crap and... Just have them figure out a way to assure me that it was worth the sickness. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A podcast and a memoir by M.K. Lott Chapter 27 Plasma Part 2 As I mentioned last episode... I had my physical on a specific day, but I had to give my donation on another day because I didn't eat. Thankfully or not thankfully, that gave me enough time to look into other opinions and self-indulgence in my own anxiety. I remember talking to my personal trainer and updating him on life and him updating me on life since he was gone for two weeks competing at a powerlifting meet in Manchester, and I brought up the whole idea of donating plasma to get some catch-up money fashion that I would expect in the best way possible from him, he had some choice words about plasma donations, specifically for what happens to your body on the saline solution. They're vampires, Mikey, he decreed. They are taking your life essence. They're putting things that aren't blood into your blood. Which was true. The saline solution was in fact the not blood he was referring to. And to preface this, This is why I'm starting with these notes first and not the first session. Also, I'm going to be talking about this process a lot, so 
if needles bother you, consider this your trigger warning for the rest of the episode. But the personal trainer claimed that even though the saline helps, your body still has to recover because it's lost something that it needs to sustain itself and to survive. Case in point, the aching and the pain that comes later. Along with the pain that is involved with the insertion point, of course, I started to notice that it got harder to recover from workouts or any kind of physical activity at all, even standing for long enough periods of time, because I was aching all the time and feeling a kind of soreness while I was working out, especially. My personal trainer says that that's because a lot of things in my body are inflamed because it doesn't have the normal things that my blood would normally have to transfer everything where it needs to go. And for those who are curious, saline is a mixture of sodium chloride and H2O. So it's a kind of salt water. Then again, that came from Wikipedia, so do with that what you will and do your own research. But I'm just going to assume that I haven't given my body the time that it needed to process the salt water solution, whatever it is, into the plasma that it needed to be because it's also a crystalline structure, whatever that means. But all I'm saying is, if you're choosing to donate plasma, just listen to your body. If the effects aren't worth it to you, don't force yourself to donate. And something I also learned a few hours before I started recording this is, if you've been punctured enough times, your vein can collapse and not heal. So no matter what, there is some risk to it. If you want to and you feel comfortable, more power to you. I just hope my experience can help you keep as informed as possible. Now, that being said, let's get into the first session. I walked into the same check-in section and filled up my questionnaire routinely. The line snaked around the back of the lobby, but despite giving me flashbacks of the DMV, it moved incredibly fast, comparatively speaking. So by the time I got to my blood pressure check and all that shit, I had only been aligned for 15, maybe 20 minutes tops. The nurse pricked my finger as she was talking, and by the time I looked down and realized what had happened, there was already blood coming out and being collected. I didn't even feel the prick compared to last time, which felt like there was a sword going into my finger. And I thought, that might be my ticket. I should talk to the nurses to distract me from the fact that my life essence is leaving my body for a good cause or something. When the process was done, they gave me a color and a number and yet another waiting room. All this became was just more and more waiting. And I just kept thinking, well, if the blood pressure test wasn't as bad, then the next time I do this, it will be less bad. Then again, it is a larger needle, so of course it's gonna feel a lot different and a lot worse. Maybe this wasn't a good idea. That's when I heard my name be called and $100 sounded so much more necessary than ever before. The nurse that tended to me was one of the more experienced nurses who walked through exactly what I was to expect as he was using his wrist to wipe away the long strands of hair that were coming out of his ponytail. The saline was going to be cold, so it was common for me to get very cold and then feel some tingling and metallic taste in my mouth, almost like I was going to have a mouthful of coins. 
That was as much as I could remember before I started thinking about how sharp that needle's going to be. The nurse caught wind of it and gave me a concerned smile. You're breathing pretty heavy, he observed. You okay? Yeah, I just... I, I, I have a thing about needles. Yeah, it's not going to be very long. If it feels painful after it's in, just let me know and I'll fix it, okay? Uh, okay, I stuttered. Now, all there was left to do was to just get it over with. He took what appeared to be a stick that you use for lollipops or dum-dums, like that hollow plastic, like a mini PVC pipe, and he kept probing the thickest vein I had in my dominant arm with it before swabbing it with a fat, rubbing alcohol-filled Q-tip until my skin turned red. Then he took the needle out of its package and lined up. Okay, here we go, he warned. I looked straight up at where the ceiling tiles formed an X together and felt the puncture sneak its way into my arm. I turned up the music in my earphones and tried to focus on what I was listening to. But here's a little thing that I learned the hard way. When you're cold, your veins contract and go back into your body, which means the amount of room that the needle has in your veins will change based on your body temperature, which isn't able to be regulated properly when you don't have the plasma. That's why the saline is so important during the donation. It acts as an immediate substitute. And even with the saline, because again, it's cold, your body will still freeze. And if you're like me, you'll feel the needle become active again because it's being pushed against the walls of the vein. I immediately notified the nurse that I was feeling pain, and he started changing the position of the needle, which meant I felt it moving, and I felt the pain become even more active. I was willing to be a little more cooperative until my hearing started to go out, and I felt like I was going to throw up. They unhooked me off the machine and pumped me up with the same amount of saline that they had taken out in plasma, which was about 300 milliliters. Based off of my body size, I'm only supposed to donate about 750. It moved so quickly, I shivered uncontrollably for the rest of the night. They gave me Cheez-Its and a bottle of electrolyte water, and then a nurse who was manning the front desk said, Okay, when do you want to schedule your next appointment? Normally, I wouldn't think twice and just walked out when I was cognizant enough, but there was one little element that I forgot about eating. They recommend that you eat an hour before your donation, no longer than two, but I ate five or six hours before. And now it was different because I didn't get sick because of something that happened in the moment. I got sick because I didn't do my part to prepare. So that was the logic I needed to schedule an appointment for a few days later and I went home and curled up in as many blankets as I could after eating. If I still had an issue after eating within the right time, I wouldn't do it again. When I entered into my second session, I had a belly full of stir-fried chicken and rice. This time, however, I didn't have a lot of time to stick with the DMV-esque line as I did before, because as a little cheer-up-there-fella kind of approach, the nurse that scheduled my appointment gave me a fast pass to the front of the line, so I didn't have to wait. 
and I'm sure they saw it as a customer that was staying after a bad experience. I merely saw it as less time for my body to get hungry. Because based on how long it takes for you to check in, that window that they talk about so much where you have to eat an hour beforehand is pretty much gone. So you're already kind of in a state of liability by the time you get into the seat. And as I was going through my blood pressure test, and the strapping up to the machine and watching the needles be opened and all that, I did something that I hadn't done before in the first session, or at least not as much. I was talking. A lot. Excessively, even. I found out in the first session that when I talked to the nurses, my anxiety was distracted enough to get the job done. So when we compare this to the second session, I came in with a way to manage my own anxiety that worked for me and discover a coping mechanism that would be the most advantageous for me in that moment. And funny enough, when the needle went in, it seemed to hurt significantly less. But talking wasn't the only method I used because the nurses had to tend to everyone. So I switched from comfort chats to fidgeting. Namely, chewing on the interior of my cheek and watching YouTube videos, or just watching my own foot spin counterclockwise. When I do this, I'm putting myself into a state of hyperfocus, so I almost lose my awareness that I'm experiencing pain and weakness. And it became so much more important for me to learn that as the machine started beeping. And then beeping. And then beeping. The same nurse from before came in to save the day and he tapped on every possible option on the dashboard. He said that my information and my numbers looked significantly better than the first time I donated, but he still had some somewhat bad news to bear. So the machine isn't reading your pressure properly, he explained. Can we use your other arm? I was very tempted to say fuck no, but I thought, Am I wanting to say no because I didn't want to deal with excessive pain, or because I'm genuinely scared? I realized that it was because I was scared of the needle, and I felt like it was only right that I stay just so I can learn how to manage my anxiety and pain to practice what I preached. So I told him yes, and his assistant aggressively took the needle out of that first arm and shanked it into the other. In fact, it hurt to bend my arm for a week because of how intense that process was. Honestly, it just made the coping mechanisms more important and somehow easier to execute. Probably because I was able to ease into the coping mechanisms instead of just demanding it for myself right off the bat. And for the rest of the night, it was nothing but a smooth appointment. And in as good of time as they can, they extracted about 732 milliliters with no other interruptions. And then came the third appointment. By the time this one came around, aka the following week, I was something of a pro giving people my blood. Self-declared and within public acceptability, of course. As this time came around, I had a pretty healthy meal with a quick protein cookie to fill me up once I made it to the parking lot, in the case that I had to wait. And the blood pressure check wasn't a problem. I found the finger that was 
you know, the highest with pain tolerance, and I didn't think I was gonna get that knowledge at all. It's my left middle finger, by the way. Maybe it's for you too, I don't know. I found my go-to video to watch that helps me focus on something else, that being the opening scene of Invincible Season 2, funny enough. And I found the foot that I would spin counterclockwise, I found the part of my cheek that I would chew on, and suddenly everything just got so much easier, like I just fell into a routine while everything else was happening. And even the needle was better. Like, yeah, it sucks and I still get nervous when I see the phlebotomists open up that package, and I still need to find a certain point on the ceiling, which, fun fact, the higher the ceiling was, depending on which station I was assigned to, the more comfortable I felt because my mind thought I had more room. But despite all that, once I had something else to focus on, it was just like, ah, yeah, no, that, that sucks, but I, I'm, not, I'm not paying attention to that right now, so I'm not giving it as much energy as I normally could. Which is also how I learned the difference between actual pain and anxiety-induced phantom pain where I was able to kind of differentiate between the two and say, okay, nothing's wrong, I'm just experiencing really, really severe pressure, or I'm just cold, or the machine is moving stuff really fast and I can feel it moving. I'm not dying, I'm not getting stabbed, it's just this is what's actually happening. But because I don't know any better, this is how my mind is translating all this. All that to say, I had plenty of room to breathe, and it became the easiest $120 I had ever gotten. They range from about 100 to 120 per session, as a sign-on bonus. And then, I heard beeping. Now, normally, I know I kind of antagonize that sound, but normally, beeping indicates that everything's okay or you're done. However, when I looked at the screen delegated to me, that I was able to see the progress on, everything was red and the count stopped at 16 milliliters. No matter how hard I pumped my fist so I can get the fluid moving faster. One of the nurses, the same one from the first two sessions as a matter of fact, saw my machine from the other side of the room and began tapping away at the dashboard vigorously. I was about to joke and ask if I was gonna make it, but he answered my question a lot faster than I could have asked. So, you can't donate anymore. I laid there, trying to regulate my new panic. And I was just so confused. Did they find something in my blood that I didn't know about? Was I carrying something the whole time? But I know that's impossible because I don't have that much of a social life. Don't, don't read too much into that, by the way. So I asked... Did you find something problematic in my blood? No, 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 no. See this, he said, while holding the tube to the bag filled with plasma. Unlike the blood that was coming out of my body directly, which was red that was so dark it almost looked purple, this blood was now candy red. Like the kind of red that you would see on a holiday peppermint, not in someone's body. This means the machine didn't filter everything properly, the phlebotomist explained and now we can't give you your blood back because it's contaminated and we need to stop and have you stay behind for a little bit because you did technically lose blood, so we can't let you leave just yet. And I said okay, and 
I let him fix everything as much as he could. While he was doing his job though, and once the needle was out, I couldn't help but laugh. In between laughs, I said, Be honest, does anybody else have this bad of luck? The nurse responded with a laugh of his own, saying, You're definitely in my section a lot. And despite the fact that my life essence was no longer safe to put back in my body, I was kind of proud of myself. At this point, I would probably have a panic attack which would 10x everything that was going on and make me even more sick, but I had gone from a squirming, fidgety, touch-me-and-you-die kind of patient, which at the end of it all I still kind of was, to a donor that learned how to use what he knew to figure out how to cope with what was going on to him. And then came everything else. I keep joking about my personal trainer telling me that they were vampires taking my essence, but you have to really feel it to understand what he meant. The fourth session wasn't the worst one, that was the first one by far, but it was surprisingly the most painful. I would assume that's because I had more sugar that day than I normally do, but the needle felt insanely sharper, and when my veins contracted from the saline solution, the needle didn't vibrate, that's immediately a big no-no, and they need to stop immediately. But it felt like it was scraping my veins, which means everything was so much more painful than normal. That, and because they were understaffed, I had the needle in my arm that was causing the pain substantially longer than it had to be in there. In fact, I remember making eye contact with two of the nurses and being like, uh, 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 Okay, I'm, I'm done. Can, can we be done, please? Now, the following day, all the energy and joy and life and whatever else you want to call it was completely seeped away. Normally, at work, I reconfigure our website, I run our marketing, I talk with the reps we work with, I consult customers, the works. That day, all I did for seven hours was steam packaged suits and listen to Radiohead, because that's all I had the energy to do. And normally, I would be able to powerlift and get new personal bests almost every time I went into the gym. That day, I deadlifted one rep at about 50 pounds less than my five rep max, and I got so dizzy and so weak that the weight launched me forward, causing me to drop to my knees, which I only did to stop myself from face planting. And normally, I would come back from the gym, write out the script for the podcast, record it, edit it, and schedule it for publishing. But now, I had to lay in bed and give an update saying I had to postpone the episode because I just didn't have the health or the strength to do anything. Now you know the backstory about last week. I'm not going to say I knew exactly what was medically happening to me, and I'm not going to say that I was a victim of circumstance with everything happening to me, but I did have to have a serious talk with myself because why was I doing this? Why was I really doing this? Because consciously, I told myself I needed to use my anxiety management skills to overcome my fear of needles. 
which in some ways is still valid. But subconsciously, I realized that I was donating plasma because of my fear of not having enough money to survive. And that is a very different animal to take on. So, after much debate that night, and force-feeding myself as much spaghetti and meatballs as I could to overload my system with protein and carbs, I decided to brace the economic poverty and stop donating, simply because it was a solution to the wrong problem. And I would rather have financial trouble than health trouble. And that's something that I think a lot of people really tend to struggle with. Trying to fix something, but there's something else going on underneath that needs to be taken care of first. Sometimes it's because that problem feels so big that we couldn't possibly manage it. And sometimes it's because we're not even consciously aware of it. But with the right kind of determination and guidance, that can be resolved. It's really about the right insight and finding the courage to tackle it head on. Which, I must sheepishly admit, the right solution and the right answer can come about by just chatting with your boss passively about how your day went the day before and then him passively saying, Would an advance help? I'm more than happy and I would love to help you get caught up. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you, and I am very, very appreciative of your guys' patience last week, as I quite literally had a shortage of life. But regardless, I still hope this has been a helpful and fun, not just episode, but home stretch for you guys. Thank you as always. Until next time, here's to finding your way.